Heart stopping, house rocking, booty shaking, delusional fan taken, MuggleCast 32 for March 26, 2006. CYGoDaddy.com is the number one domain registrar worldwide. Now, with your domain name registration, you'll get hosting, a free blog, complete email, and much more. Plus, as a MongoCast listener, enter code RON, that's R-O-N, when you check out, and get your .com domain name for just $6.95 a year. Get your piece of the internet today at GoDaddy.com. Hey everybody, welcome to MuggleCast episode 32, coming to you live from Managers, Kansas. I'm Ben Shane. Sam is Andrew. I'm Kevin Steck. I'm Jamie Lawrence. I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Eric Skull. And I'm Micah Tannenbaum. we got a full house here this week, people. We have Aaron, Eric, Andrew, we Kevin, do. Jamie, Laura. Jeez. Yeah, this is great. I love this. Can somebody no, pass the schedule? Why are you asking? Give me the schedule. I, w- I want the schedule. Okay, okay, Jamie. I gave you the schedule. Go 30 into minutes the rightly, dude. Go into the rightly and get the schedule. Hey, hey, Ben. Uh, I forgot to do the news this week. Uh, what are we gonna do about that? Micah, um, Micah, uh, can you stop asking Andrew, what are we gonna do about him? I don't. Uh, hey, I don't know. hey, Laura. Don't be so mean to Micah. Micah is a good person. I am backwards compatible with Windows 3.1. <laughs> no, okay, the jig, the jig is up. Windows XP 3.1 doesn't exist. Oh, quiet down, Laura. I used to what have are you Windows 3.1. About? Okay. <laughs> Laura, okay, whatever. O- okay, Stop okay, it. okay, guys. Where the jig is up, people. It's not really all... We don't have a full house here. It's just the three amigos, right, Eric? The three amigos, that's It's correct. me, Ben Shane, Andrew Sims, and Eric Skoll. Micah, grace us with your amazing power of voiceover and take away the news. To celebrate the release of the UK Goblet of Fire DVD, Collector Mania 9 will be attended by several Harry Potter actors. Actors confirmed thus far are Robert Pattinson, Cedric, Matthew Lewis, Neville, and James and Oliver Phelps, Fred and George. Admission is free and the event runs from April 28th to May 1st, with most of the Harry Potter guests appearing on Sunday, April 30th. Lizzo of CBBC Newsround recently visited the set of the fifth Harry Potter movie and interviewed the stars. Among the information that was gathered, we learned that the kissing scene has been postponed for a few weeks due to Dan having the flu. Scenes involving the Room of Requirement and the Forbidden Forest have started filming, including the part where the centaurs rampage after Umbridge. And David Heyman said the film would be released either summer or fall of 2007, and the sixth film, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, will be out late 2008. He also mentioned that a trailer should be revealed by the end of this year. Check out the full video of the interview on MuggleNet.com. More Order of the Phoenix news, Gary Oldman's longtime manager, Doug Urbanski, completed the deal Tuesday morning with Harry Potter producer David Heyman, making it official that the actor will reprise the role of Sirius Black in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Jamie Whalett, the actor who plays Crab in the Potter films, has updated his online blog with a few Order of the Phoenix filming updates, so be sure to check those out. J.K. Rowling has painted a ceramic egg and donated it to an auction taking place at Jam House in Queen Street today, which will benefit the Multiple Sclerosis Society in Scotland. A variety of other celebrities have done the same, and at least 150 people are expected to attend, and tickets are priced at £50 each, which includes a champagne reception, a three-course meal, whiskey tasting, and live entertainment from the Jam House band. Man, I wish I was going. British afternoon talk show Richard and Judy announced Friday that in Series 2, beginning on June 19th, they will conduct an exclusive interview with Joe Rowling. By that time, we expect her to have a good bit of Book 7 written, so, you know, we hope she'll talk about that. 
The date of this interview ties in with Joe's planned appearance at the Queen's 80th birthday party at Buckingham Palace. Continuing their site Update Scholastic, the American Harry Potter publisher has updated once again to include new downloads related to Prisoner of Azkaban. Updates for Goblet of Fire through Half-Blood Prince are expected in the upcoming weeks. Finally, you can read about Snape killing Dumbledore in paperback as the UK and US editions of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince are set to be released on June 23rd and July 25th, respectively. Both versions can be pre-ordered through Amazon.com. That's all the news for this March 26, 2006 edition of MuggleCast. Back to the trio. Thanks for that, Micah. Okay, it's time for some announcements. Right, Andrew? Right, Andrew? Um, right, Andrew? That's wrong, Ben. No, uh, let's <laughs> see. What do we have here? Uh, just the usual stuff, guys. Don't forget to buy a MuggleCast t-shirt because, as Eric said last week, something about Tootsie Rolls, they're going to explode if... <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't remember why. Explode. Something about exploding Tootsie Pops... <laughs> Yes. I zoomed out after your first two sentences because yes, usually, yeah. usually everything you say after your first two sentences is completely useless. Except for the last two <laughs> sentences in which I sum it up. Oh, okay. But also, vote for us on Podcast Alley. This is ridiculous, right, Andrew? Yeah, because usually I don't like to ask because it's like, oh, they already know. I shouldn't have to say anything. But <laughs> but then but then we're not even in the top ten list, so it kind of worries me. So don't forget, once we're in the top ten list, Terrible. I'll stop bugging. Um, yeah. And then one last thing, just a general notice. We usually record these shows on Wednesdays now, so if you want to get in your listener rebuttals or or your what ifs or whatever you want, your voicemails too, most especially, um, make sure that you get those in by Wednesday of each week because we usually record on Wednesdays. Anything after that is usually going to get won't make it on the show. We'll read them, but probably won't make it on the show. Right. So for... listen to the show early in the week, gather your thoughts and. Send in your stuff. That's right. That is correct. Forgot, we forgot to explain ourselves why there isn't very many people this week. I think... I got it. I got the perfect idea. What is it, Eric? Uh, they, they didn't buy their MuggleCast t-shirts. And so now they're running around stark <laughs> naked trying to find clothes, and they couldn't be with us. Because of yeah. what I said the first time, which was... <laughs> You'll lose it close. But seriously, um, the reason that they're not on is because originally we were going to record Wednesday like we usually do, and then now we're recording Saturday night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got – I got T minus 12 hours to, to six, 18 hours to finish it, so. Yeah. Poor, um, nobody could make Andrew. it. We'll see. What happened was on Wednesday we were going to record, and then Jamie had some audio problems where he couldn't get his mic yeah. working. And then tonight, he set his alarm for 4 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Just to get So up. he could come on the show. And then his mic still wouldn't work. The poor guy. So we're going to get him hooked up with a new one. Here's and then enough. the reason Kevin isn't here because he's at some community service event, which I thought was really nice. I said, you know what? Go yeah. do your community service yeah, thing. Uh, Hope he doesn't have too wild. You're, you're... Hope he doesn't have too wild of a yeah, night. It's daffodil days. <laughs> I just thought that was nice and... Sorry, he couldn't be on. And Laura's doing something, and Micah's doing something, so... <laughs> it's time for this week's listener rebuttal. Right, Andrew? <laughs> I always say that. Right, Andrew? Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> but, uh... Yeah! So, as you guys remember from last week, this is going to be the part of the show where 
we read listener emails on the air uh, that respond to things that we discussed the episode before. So this first one comes from Jenna, 14, of Connecticut. She writes, very short, to the point, I think the reason that Jake Yard is more narrating in the first book is that the characters aren't developed yet in order to drive the stories themselves. Now, we had been talking about how J.K. Rowling wrote it this way, and basically that sums up what we were saying. I just thought that was that was That's nice. nice, yeah. That is nice. Well, also, Harry is is young that in, in the way that... Um, well, first of all, if the story started with Harry, that'd be kind of interesting, but we wouldn't have that backstory. And what little backstory we have is very important. Um, but yeah, I just like I, – I like hearing about – I think one of the things about Harry Potter is that the most fascinating uh, characters are – I don't want to say the ones that aren't Harry, but there are – you know, all the characters are interesting, and it's good to see stuff about them too, and we don't really get a lot of that later on. Right. Um, and then also a little slip-up last week. Well, actually – I don't know. Was this a slip up, Eric? <laughs> Wait, what about Ted Tonks being a Muggle board? Um, no, because I'm. Uh, well, read it. Read it first. A lot of people miss. Well, it, it came from tons of people. I don't have. Oh, I'm not yeah. quoting any specific person. Oh, well, I th- but a, lo- a lot of people wrote in to say that uh, you guys are wrong. You're idiots. Ted Tonks is actually a Muggle born, but Eric was the one talking about it. Um, you. I think people just misinterpreted what you were saying. Yeah, I think. Uh, Ted Tonks is Muggleborn. There were a lot of people who cited that. But then somebody also said, um, somebody we actually quoted, are you sure it isn't in the rightly, said something about... Um, uh, the Milkman. Yeah, thing. yeah. Somebody wrote in and to say that I was wrong. Yeah, that Matt... Ted... Yeah, oh, you have the name? Matt Smith from uh, Bloomington, Illinois, in fact. He points out that uh, Ted Tonks was actually a milkman. He wasn't sure where he found it, but he read somewhere but that Ted I, Tonks I was do, a milkman, I actually. I do have a response to this. I think that actually it was not Ted Tonks that was a milkman. I might be going out on a limb. You can listen or rebuttal me next week. But I think it was uh, Colin Creevy's dad and Dennis Creevy's dad who was uh, mentioned as being a milkman. Now, it doesn't mean that Ted couldn't be a milkman. You know, don't get me wrong. But I think it was uh, Mr. Creevy who specifically said, I think it was book two, uh, Colin went up and introduced himself to Harry, and then he told him his whole life story about his father being a milkman. So I think that I think that it's Mr. Creevy. So Ted Tonks may be muggle-born, that's fine, or he may be a muggle, who knows? Uh, world might never know, just like Tootsie Rolls, but never mind. Um, Tootsie Pops, and so yeah. I think uh, it was Mr. <laughs> Creevy's milkman. Yeah, I think so too. Our next listener rebuttal, Trisha M., 14, from Long Island, New York, writes, Sirius had a wand in Book 5. In the chapter when Harry and the Weasleys went back to Grimald Place after the attack on Mr. Weasley, Sirius uses his wand to summon Butterbeer, and he clearly says, Osseo Butterbeer. <clears throat> so we know he got a wand back, but was it his wand, and was it... Or was it someone well, else's wand? Andrew, my question is, what's it really matter if he got the Butterbeer? Because, well, it proves that he says... <laughs> Well, yeah, no, I, I was, but he got what he wanted. So. We just want to know how he got it. Yeah, back. and well, that was the question last week. It's sort of like how did Voldemort get his wand back after, well, after you know he died. You, it's sort of the same thing. And don't you think the Ministry would have snapped his wand? You really think so? Um, just like, well, you know what the heck? If he's given a life sentence in Azkaban, would yeah. they snap his wand? Yes. I think to be safe, they would. In fact, Hagrid's wand was was snapped, and he only got expelled from Hogwarts. Did you notice that? Yeah. Like, what's the deal with that? Couldn't he enroll in another school or something? Did he need a new wand? Did they, I mean, he's like, he paid like seven galleons for that thing. You know, you're not going to just... Why snap it when he got out of Hogwarts? Couldn't he, you know... Right, but 
I have a feeling that it's probably he probably went to Ollivander's and got it. No, he couldn't have done that because he was on the run. You mean Ollivander's? I made that mistake. Ollivander's. I was like Ollivander's. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> but, Actually, yeah, I, I sent him one. I sent him a one. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I thought I remember seeing an email about this. I don't know. Our good friend, actually, guys, um, while we're on about serious, our good friend Haya from the uh, live podcast. Uh, she lives in New York. That I called Chaya or something. <laughs> yeah, Chaya. Um, but anyway, she wrote into me like uh, she wrote me an instant message like five minutes before I signed off before we recorded the show, and she said um, she had a rebuttal about needing a wand to use animagus uh, to turn yourself into. An animagus, and she said that was probably not true because her, uh, Sirius once again escaped Azkaban, and he had to like turn. He found that he was able to turn gradually, like into a dog, and then they wouldn't notice because they sensed the Dementors sensed like a diminishing feeling, that kind of thing. So I think it's just a movie error, but yeah, that was that was her rebuttal. She said Sirius pretty much escaped as a dog, you know, and therefore like couldn't. Get his wand, or couldn't have his wand, or didn't. But need he could have used someone else's. Or true. well, I don't. He could think have. wands are easily but the, accessible. But the, the, this last history bottle is just is just about well, did how do you end up with a wand in the first place? Yeah. After he got out, and that's really the and question. I, I don't know. Ask, ask Joe. One last listener rebuttal. This comes from Jimmy Rose, who sent us a very long email with lots of rebuttals. Some of them are pretty good, like the Tootsie Roll one. But I just wanted to talk about. Um, the one where he talks about uh, won't and shan't, because we had discussed this for <laughs> an alarming this amount of time last week. This is like, um, yeah, this is one of the uh, most responsed theories. Yeah, because it's an interesting topic, but I think Jimmy gets it. Jimmy writes, I'm sorry to tell you guys that the revision of shan't in the British version to won't in the American version is the result of American common usage changing the proper forms of the English language. The truth is that one should never say I will or I won't. First person present tense of this verb is shall. This is given more properly as I shall or I shan't. American usage is colored by our need to remove perceived complexity or perceived pretension. Shall somehow sounds a little prissy, so America decided not to use the word properly. In fact, shall has come to take on a slightly different meaning in legal language. In that arena, the word shall carries with it the intent of command. For example, the claimant shall be compelled to cease and desist. Proper English would rephrase that as claimant will be compelled. So basically what he's saying <laughs> in all of that is us Americans screw up. Screw up the English language terribly. Right, right. Like the point I made last week, it's just idiomatic differences between the two languages. Well, the same language, but between idiomatic differences between North American English and between British English. That's all it is. It's the Americans mess things up, I guess. But is it our, know, but it is our fault, right? Not our personally, but the country it's better. I think it is it's, better. We're... <laughs> That's your typical American Greasy McDonald's snob mentality, right teenager. there. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I mean, I'm not walking around going well, saying "dog, yo, sup." Yeah. Kitchen's done. When you're supposed to say "finish." That wraps up this week's listener rebuttal. Remember, send in your listener rebuttals to MuggleCast at staff.mugglenet.com. You can go to MuggleCast.com and use a feedback form and send them to us. So, remember, if there's something that we mess up, or if you have some some complaints. Just email us, right, Andrew? That's right. <laughs> Eric, this is your baby right here. Our in-depth discussion. The three amigos here, we're going to have an in-depth discussion about Sorcerer's Stone 
chapters four and five. So I hope all of you, all of you little kitties out there, read chapters four and five. Did your homework? That, that was the assignment. Did your homework? That, yeah, Mugglecast homework. I love assigning homework. It's my minions. <laughs> so, Eric, do you want to start off with a summary or um, something for us? Sure. Here? First, I'm going to say um, a lot of people. We did get a lot of feedback, and thank you to everybody who gave us feedback on the chapter-by-chapter segment. Um, I did respond to a lot of the things in length over on our uh, fan listing forums, mugglecastfan.net slash forums. Um, But I'm just going to recap here. uh, A lot of people seem to think that um, it was a bit too much summary last week that we included in it, and um, that maybe we should bring up things like maybe the top four ideas that we think that happened in in, in the chapter... Uh, you know, things like that while we're doing this chapter discussion. Um, and I wanted to say... And to that, I say, tough. <laughs> no, to that, actually, you're the one who, who said, yeah, that's a great idea, until I, I thought that... Because um, yeah. I, I think if we only did four things, it would be, you know... I took 50 notes for this chapter alone. I mean, you know, it's not going to be... Eric Stoll, you are hardcore. I am, but it's not like... I mean, I'm not going to talk about all of them. I'm not going to kill our listeners, you know. I think that we should... Tr- uh, Still follow Harry through the book so that we can point out issues. Chapter 4, The Keeper of the Keys. Rubeus Hagrid, Keeper of the Keys at Hogwarts. Okay, no, you read, okay, okay, (laughs) Keys and Grounds at Hogwarts. All right, um, let's just skip to the point, okay, because, you know, you anxious fans have said, we've already read the books, we know everything, so here we go. First thing you noticed, or first thing I noticed, uh, Vernon, Uncle Dursley, was holding a rifle. And, you know, that's the thing that was in the long slip uh, that he bought, and nobody knew what it was next to the chips. Um, Guys, why do you think he has a rifle? I mean, it seems like a stupid question, but if you think about it, here's these, you know, magic people he's running all across the country from. And he buys a rifle, and Hagrid just bends it in two. It's completely useless. So why would Vernon even buy a rifle? It seems like a waste of money. He could have bought... Because he is. It is a waste of money. No, it's not. He's using it in his defense. Well, it's, sort, it's sort of as a symbol. Yeah, I think I think J.K. Rowling, the reason she wrote it that way, was as a symbol to demonstrate just how scared he is and how he's pulling at strings to find some way to protect his family and Harry from the magical okay. people, if you know what I'm saying. And didn't you say, Eric, he th- it, it just went to waste? Yeah, it really did. Like, he could have bought more rations with that money. <laughs> oh, yeah, more bags of chips. <laughs> Yeah, he didn't know Hagrid was going to show up and bend the gun in half. Like, not every wizard can bend a gun, so what's the worst they could do? Grab it from him and... I think or they could zap it into obli- zap them into oblivion. Ascendio. <laughs> you know, and they they could turn the Dursleys into animals. Several times in the books, you know, the Dursleys are all worried about... Well, especially after the yeah. deadly pig thing, but... True. Anyway. But a gun is a gun. A gun is Which a gun. is interesting. I don't know how wither- how wizards would take a gun. Like if someone's point, uh, pointing, they would a gun wrap at you. their hands around the barrel, and they would no. pull it. <laughs> that's how they. No, would they t- won't. Well, that, actually, that's actually, how, actually, how would wizards? How would wizards exact react to a gun? Uh, they I would do know. the Matrix thing with their wand, where they would stop it in midair with their wand. Here's a book movie uh, discrepancy. Um, it's still the first line of the chapter, right? So uh, Hagrid bursts through the door, but in the movie. He, in the movie, it's a little bit more comical. He says, you know, oh, sorry about that. And he goes and picks up the door up. That doesn't happen in the book. What happens in the book, Hagrid comes in. It's rather rude because he comes in, and they're staring at him, and Hagrid says, he, he says, uh, you wouldn't happen to have some tea. It hasn't been an easy journey. It's like, 
You know, he he just comes in. And he's like, got some tea. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, instead of like, sorry about that. You know, I didn't really mean. You know, this clumsy giant. And you know, also he recognizes Harry right away, which is interesting in the movie. Why they would make him recognize Dudley first? You know, and and say you're particular. You know, particularly. Well, it was just it was life. just for comic. Well, I guess comic but it, purposes. It's really interesting. So I really think. Um, that was basically Chris Columbus's style. He wanted to make it fun. He yeah. wanted like you're going to a movie to see entertainment and be entertained. Hagrid's a perfect character uh, to bring out the laughs from people because you see him come in. Oh, sorry about that. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look at him. Whoops. <laughs> it was for comedy. Chris Columbus is a very family-oriented filmmaker. He really is. And he did when it. he's filming, I will bet you he's always keeping. The family of four going to see the movie in mind. And Steve Close. Here's a big plot. Once Hagrid recognizes Harry, he says right away, out of nowhere, almost as abruptly as he said, you got any tea, which was rude. He, he turns to Harry and he says, you look like your dad, except you got your mother's eyes. Those mother's eyes. Now, we hear time and time again, and just like where we want to track, where I wanted to track all of Harry's dreams, we should track all the times they tell me is his mother's eyes. Because everybody, the first thing, oh, you look like your dad, but you have your mother's eyes. Yeah. What do you guys think? Like, why is that? Well, uh, it's after book six, and we, why is. Right. Well, I think there's something significant about Harry's eyes. I think there has because, to be. I mean, you because know. it has something to do with. Uh, you know, it's the one trait that he has of his mother because besides that, he pretty much looks like his dad. And his mother's love is the only reason that he's alive to begin with. I think that's interesting. So I, but what do... Yeah. What, what, what do, about the eyes, though? What significance do they hold? I don't know. What do eyes do in the books? Have we have we met any other powerful eyes? I mean, anything... Well, any Lord Voldemort's that... eyes are oftentimes... Dis- aren't they? They're red. Right? I don't know. I think it's... That might be a movie thing. That might be a book thing. I forget which. I think they're slit-like. They're like snake. Yeah, they're slit-like. But so I don't know. Sometimes you can tell a lot by somebody's eyes. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think you guys are overthinking it a little too much. Eyes show the most emotion in someone's face. Yeah. I think. I I thought I remember reading something about that. They they got to. They show a million different things. If you just look at a person's eyes, you could probably see how they're feeling. Eyes you know are very what? defining. I agree with that. And I was I was going to mention Eric, that. you have beautiful eyes. He does. God, they're beautiful. Like, what does anyone say? Like, even even like uh, your typical family, your fi- typical typical family member will go, "Oh, he has his mother's eyes." You know, like to a newborn, or you know, I, nobody I, says like, "Oh, he has his mother's." Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> he has his mother's. Mm, Ankles. But, no. They always bring up Lily's eyes like it's some kind of magical significance because they do bring it up a lot. But I wanted to – in addition to what Andrew said, actually, I agree with that. I think maybe – do you guys think – since they compare him to his dad physically, do you think that the relationship where they say that you have your mother's eyes and the eyes tell most about the person, say that Harry's not cocky like his father was? Do you think that's like what J.K.R. is trying to draw it, that even though he looks like his dad, he's more – kind than possibly we know James to have been? I think that it's... I think it's just a distinct differentiation between him and his father. I, I, I personally think it's a, that's all it is. You are truly are not your father's son, Harry. Because... Uh, no, not that well, way. There's got to be differences. If those two are just like each other, yeah. there's going to be a million more assumptions 
You're right, right. You right. can't really have that. Do you... It's a boring character. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you read up on James and you know about Harry. <laughs> yeah. They're going to be exactly alike. Cool. In so. his coat, there was a copper kettle, sausages, a poker, teapot, chipped mugs, and some amber liquid that he took a swig from, which is probably alcoholic, but shh, we can't say that. And so... In addition to that, he also has the owl and the letter and the quill in his pockets, which we find out later. That's a lot of stuff in his coat. Where do you think he got one? And uh, not only that, I'm looking at one page right now, chapter 5, page 62. Um, oh, I'm a chapter ahead. But, <laughs> but, if it's uh, significant, that's go- okay. J.K. Rowling goes on to say bunches of keys, slug pellets, balls of string, peppermint humbugs, oh tea God. bags. And then finally, Harry pulled out a handful of strange-looking coins. Huh. Wait, are you sure the coins wasn't the uh, newt thing? It's the nuts. I actually think they're pronounced newts. L- like, really? Yeah, actually. Yeah, they're, they're canutes. If you look on the scholastic pronunciation. Canutes yeah, or newts? Canutes. Oh, canutes. Really? Yeah, that's really cool because like, I don't know when that would have been. weird. It's one of those extra pop fluff things. I'll post it on a website, but you know, you won't hear it in the movie. Well, anyway. Um. What was your question? Uh, Where did Haggard get his coat? Because that holds a lot of stuff. And why didn't he just have one giant pocket that's like the size of a room and he jumps into it? And <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know where he got his coat. It's sort of silly. Okay. Um, then in that case, I think it's important. To, I think it's important to know that when he does get the sausages and the poker and the tea and all that stuff out of his pocket, um, he cooks sausages and Harry likes them. Now this is oh like a. Oh it's my like, gosh! Yeah. He likes food. He likes he li- food. No, he likes <laughs> no Hagrid's food. It's a downward spiral spiral from here because is that's like the only food of Hagrid's that Harry likes, isn't it? Because like the rock cakes and all that other stuff. From here on in, you know, Harry, Ron, and Hermione—they turn down everything Hagrid offers. Them. Well, it could have been one of those things where, in the beginning of writing the book, Joe was like, "Hey, I'm gonna." Well, she probably just didn't think it through all the way. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah, but Harry, Harry was starving too, so I don't know. Yeah, well, I think like in the beginning of the book, she didn't really think about oh, should should Harry not like anything that Hagrid eats? You know, you know, sausage isn't like yeah. I mean, can, can, you, can, you, like you know, can you make a sausage? You know what I mean? Bad? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's definitely Hagrid food, and yeah, maybe and Hagrid He's isn't a, the food that they don't like of Hagrid's is food that. Hagrid is sort of like homebrewed, you know. <laughs> he made it himself. Right. It um, isn't like he he went out and slaughtered the pig and made the sausage out of the intestines and stuff. But I need Laura or Micah for this, but maybe you guys can help. When Hagrid, why are we too stupid when, to answer? No, it's not like that at all. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Anyway, um, for, <laughs> when Hagrid. Backs Vernon Dursley into the wall. He mutters something that sounds like mimblewimble. Well, Dumbledore is chief warlock of the Wizengemo or whatever, and he has, like, this this mugwump, supreme mugwump thing. And there's all these other weird terms that we don't know what they – they're, like, status symbols. But I thought – I swear I could have heard mimblewimble actually mentioned somewhere as something else. Like, it might be an actual – Somewhere else? Like a, a word, like in another future book or something. Like, nitwit, blubber, rod, I don't know, mimblewimble's – I just feel like I've heard it somewhere else. In fact, what no? What kind of a re- reply is that anyway? Haggard goes up, and, oh, Mimblewimble, you know? What? No, he was cowering. He's like Mimblewimble. It sounded like Mimblewimble. It's not like you looked at Haggard and he says Mimblewimble. It was like it was like he was mumbling. It wasn't. Yeah, he was mumbling. 
Mempo Wimbo. <laughs> this is this is our first correlation backwards. Our first backwards compatible correlation. Last week we were talking about McGonagall and Dumbledore on Privet Drive. Now Hagrid tells Harry that not only he's famous, but that the Potters were famous. He says your parents were famous. You know the famous Lily and James Potter. And Harry's like, really? And he's like, yeah. You didn't know? And, and then he goes in the car crash. But anyway, he says the Potters were famous, but. Now, McGonagall and Dumbledore, you got to remember, in Chapter 1, they're walking along, and she's uh, McGonagall's trying to get a rumor out of Dumbledore, like what happened to the Potters, except she says um, what they're saying is that uh, Lily and James Potter are, well, that they're dead. And so she uses, she talks to Dumbledore in a kind of third-person sense about the Potters, but it seems like if they were in the Order... And McGonagall was in the order previously, and Dumbledore were in the order. She would not have used the last name. Like she would have just said, would have been that Lily and James are dead. Lily James. Lily and James. I mean, right after he yeah. nods, she says Lily and James. Oh, I can't believe it's serious. So she does. I mean, I can't believe Dumbledore. So she does use their first names, but it seems like, I don't know. It seems like a sense of intimacy is lost. Anyway, the Potters were famous, which was an interesting. They movie. were. They really were, and they were famous before Harry was famous. And so that's... Where, where'd you read that at? No, Harry hasn't come across any books about either him... Well, first of all, himself. Hermione said there's books everywhere about him, but he hasn't come across books hold about on, his, Hold on, hold on a second. When did how Hermione do you know that, that? How do you know that Harry's family was famous? Because Hagrid says it. There's all these books, apparently, about Harry. So wouldn't it make sense that there are about his parents if his parents were famous? Are you sure Hermione says that? And, and when? Uh, it's in one of the future chapters I can't talk about because we can't read it yet. I never remember that. Um, Interesting. I think though. I think it's on the train in chapter six or seven of this book. I think she says there are books written about you. Um, yeah, because she helped him out something about Voldemort in the future or something. Oh, yeah, I've read about you. Remember, she says. Oh well, that could be in a newspaper or something. That doesn't oh, well, mean anyway. Uh, okay, it's page fifty in the U.S. version. Um, it says, "But you must know about your mom and dad." He said, "I mean, they're famous. You're famous." Which was all he said. It's right after Member Wimble. He says they're famous. Um, something out of nothing, maybe. But he did say they were famous, so it's interesting. I do. You, well, do you think they're famous because he's famous, or do you think they were famous beforehand? Because if they are, then Harry could easily read oh. up about his parents. You know, it seems like there's all these resources available uh, to Harry that he's not taking. That's a good point. No, I think they're I famous because they're they're the parents of the boy yeah. who lived. And everyone knows that it was Lily that protected Harry, so that's why she's well-known. Actually, wait. No, 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 because then he asks. Harry asks right after that, what? My my mom and dad weren't famous, were they? And then Hagrid says, you don't know, you don't know. So, actually, it seems like it implies that they were famous before they had Harry or before before they died. No, he says, he's saying we're famous because they're dead. My mom and dad weren't famous. No. Yeah, cause, and that they're... No, because he should say aren't then. If he said my mom and dad aren't famous, are they? He says weren't famous, were they? They were at their time is what it's asking. No, I still think it was at their time when they died. I don't know. I'm sorry. Well, let's um, keep moving on. we got some other stuff we can talk about. I think Hagrid knows what Dumbledore wrote in the letter, or at least a lot of it. Because, um, or at least he has an idea, because he confronts the Dursleys about, he says, you never told him, never told him what was in the letter Dumbledore left for him. I was there, I saw Dumbledore leave it. 
And I think that really implies, uh, you know, you never told him what was in the letter because I think Hagrid knows what's in the letter. Do you guys think so? And maybe Harry could consult him in the future about what was, what exactly was in it. Never telling him. No, you're thinking. No, too I think hard we can this. imply. Yeah. We can imply that the letter at least told them that he was a wizard or something, you know, and that he would be accepted or into Hogwarts or whatever. The letter probably said, "What happened to the parents to Lily and James?" Uh, yeah, that he's a wizard. That he's a wizard, and why he was brought to them. Then what did in book book five? What did remember my last mean? Do you think that was in the letter? Did that happen after the letter? I, no, I think that probably had to do with something afterwards. I think so too. Because there were so many run-ins with the magical world during books one through five. So between the Dursleys, I think remember. My, I mean, yeah. just with you know, like the accidents and all that. Yeah, I think remember my last happened after the letter. But that was that question. The two final theories of chapter four. Hagrid's telling Harry about his parents, and he says. Now, your mom and dad were as good as witch and wizard as I ever knew. Head boy and girl at Hogwarts in their day. Suppose the mystery is why you-know-who never tried to get him on his side before. He probably knew they were too close to Dumbledore to want anything to do with the dark side. Maybe he thought he could persuade him. Maybe he just wanted him out of the way. You see, Hagrid says here that he thinks Voldemort tried to persuade the Potters into turning or something because he says the mystery is why you know who never tried to get him on his side before so do you think like Hagrid apparently thinks that Voldemort tried to turn the Potters to his side to join him and why do you think he thinks that that's pretty big don't you think that is true was there I'm just trying to think how that kind of word would have spread because there wasn't anyone else around that whole scene right yeah why would he think that uh, maybe it's just misinterpretation. <laughs> I, it could be just si- si- silly Hagrid bumble. <laughs> or or some just random rumor. Hagrid attribute. Hag- There's an answer. Last week we asked what destroyed the Potter's house. We asked what destroyed it. Hagrid thinks it's the Death Curse itself. Even though the Death Curse normally doesn't touch anything, um, Her- Her- Hagrid says that the Death Curse, uh, when he says that he Voldemort couldn't even kill a little baby... He said, um, it took care of your mom and your dad and your house even, but it couldn't take care of you. Yeah. You hear that? He says, like, it took care of your mom and your dad and your house. So I think, as far as Hagrid knows, it was the Death Curse that did destroy the house. Yes, yeah. well, that does solve that question. So that pretty much wraps up Chapter 4. How about we move on to Chapter 5 now? Okay, we're going to speed through Chapter 5. Are you guys ready? Let's go. 100 miles an hour. Yeah, right. Shoot, shoot, shoot your Mountain Dew or caffeine or whatever you have. Um, okay. Uh, they go to bed <laughs> and they wake up the next day and Harry has Hagrid's coat over him. And he said, and and he thinks it's a dream. And he hears the owl tapping at the window and he thinks it's Petunia tapping on his, his uh, cupboard. Anyway, I just realized yes. how quickly Harry comes to the conclusion that it's all a dream. It's like he's really willing to believe that it's all a dream. So do you guys think that the Harry Potter series yeah. is all a dream? No. Uh, that that's such a. I s- really everyone assumes that with every single book or I agree. television show or movie. Well, not with movies because by the end of a movie you know everything. But like for example, the television show Lost that we're starting a podcast with me, Melissa, and John. Hopefully someday uh-uh. soon. <laughs> um, everyone's like, oh, well, maybe it's a dream. Why? <laughs> Why? What kind of ending would that be? A... Has there ever been a yeah, book or a right. movie or television show where it ends up in a dream? 
I really don't think so. I'm sure we're going to get right. emails with someone saying, yeah, uh, movie back in 1970. Galadriel Waters theorizes about this in her in both of her books, and all of the books she's written to this point, about whether at the end of the series, there's all types of endings it could be. It could be like Alice in Wonderland. How does Alice in Wonderland end? Is that it's all a dream? Um, all I know is that Hagrid had dormice in his pocket, which is kind of like Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> the point where we're getting to is that no, it's can't no. Be I a think dream. Uh, Harry could have assumed. Of course, Harry could have assumed it was a dream because he's actually living yeah. in a moment like this. But sometimes you've got to get yourself together. You know, you I, I guarantee you that, that if, and you can't get, get out of it. yourself together. You got stuck in a moment. Yeah, no, no. And right, but Eric. But oh lord, look at him now. He got himself stuck in a moment. Yeah, no, seriously. Um, who does that song? No. You too. You too. <laughs> Are you serious? I, I didn't just ask <laughs> that question. Um, okay, no. So I, no, but it's so no, typical. In the case, I agree. It, I agree, typical, Andrew. It could be typical of anyone. No, but seriously though, I I, I think yeah, th- that's that's the point. That's what I was yeah, going I, to say. Many people would be so mad if J.K. Rowling uses a lame ending. Yeah. Like, and then it was all a dream. He woke up you and something was <laughs> for his scar. Yeah. <laughs> Harry, woke, Harry woke up in his four-story mansion with his parents <laughs> by his bedside. See, Sirius was there. A long-bearded man was you were there. there you were there. You were there. It was all yeah. a dream, Harry. Um, okay, but see, yeah. My main thing against the dream theory, first of all, in the case of Lost, what sick mind comes up with all that drama, you know, for a dream? And also... The writers. <laughs> the writers. Uh, yeah, Chris Carter, X- X-Files. Um, but the... Uh, no, there are too many nights and days, I think. There is too much information. There is too many... There's too much information, I think, in the Harry Potter series for it to believably be a dream. When I have really weird dreams, and I do have really weird dreams, I don't learn anything new, really. It just kind of, like, it It adds... The, but I don't really... You know, here Harry is for seven years. He, he, he sleeps, he wakes up, he eats, he, go, he plays Quidditch, he almost dies however many times, all that stuff, and then he goes to bed at night. And, you know, how can going to sleep and waking up... You, have you ever had a dream... Where you were having a dream, where you were having a dream, where you're having, to... have you? Because I haven't. No, but I had this. I had this dream once where it was like I closed my eyes and I woke up and it was morning. It was so awesome. Yeah, I thought I did that like too. I was like thirteen, ever. I think, and I I was really tired and I closed my I blinked, and then it was morning again. Like I blinked, like I didn't even feel like I got. Yes. Yeah. And then there's what do you one mean? I'm confused. What are you like, talking about? You blink and it's morning. Like, I don't get like that. You f- like you fall asleep and then it feels like a second later you wake up and it's morning. That happened to me once. That happened to me once too. But anyway. Pointlessness. Hagrid, uh, they take the uh, boat that the Dursleys use to get onto the rock, off the rock. Hagrid says we, we should take the boat because we shouldn't use magic. Um, first of all, once they get in the boat, Hagrid says, do you mind if I do magic to make us go faster? And Harry's all like, no. And he's like, you shouldn't mention it at Hogwarts. So the whole reason they they got in the boat was because they couldn't do magic. And then as soon as they get in the boat, Hagrid's like, this is, this has screw this muggle thing. It's too it's too slow. We need to magic it up. He's totally a hypocrite. And now the Dursleys don't have a ride back. How do you think the Dursleys got back? Did they swim? Oh, it's it's another one of those billing continuity problems where so yeah, there's they show up everywhere. Just another error. How did they get back? Well, wait a second. Wasn't there a man with a boat who drove them over originally? Uh, no, no. Yeah. They took the man's boat and drove themselves over. 
Okay, so the man, the man. Well, if you want to argue this, you could say that the the man came back over looking for him. See what they were doing, and he didn't see the picked them up and brought them yeah, back. Maybe they, maybe There's they, the answer they, right maybe there. they didn't pay for their uh, <laughs> unless they paid ahead of time. Um, okay, so maybe they floated on Dudley back over. <laughs> He's a big, the big whale. Vernon, the big whale. Um, okay, according to Hagrid, you know, Hagrid starts reading the paper. Uh, that the owl brought, which we won't talk about because we talked about newts, and that's the only thing I wanted to say about that. Um, Hagrid is reading the paper, and Harry asks him about a minister of magic because Hagrid mentioned the minister of magic. You guys remember this? Yes. I think it said that Cornelius Fudge only appeared to the Mughal minister in times of desperate crisis, like like once every year or so or months. You know, he he, he didn't keep him updated at all. So according to Hagrid, the minister of magic's main job is to keep the Muggles from noticing. But yet he never talks to the Muggle minister, so it seems – I don't know. Like what does Cornelius Fudge do all day besides send letters to Dumbledore asking him what to do all day? Well, it's the same type of thing you'd think about when you say, well, what does a principal at school do all day? They just sit exactly. there in the office and do nothing. You know, that, That's really not what they do. They actually have a, a job that's a lot more complicated than you would think because when you're, when you're on the outside looking in like that, at first glance it appears that they're not really doing that much, but in reality they're doing a lot. I would agree with that. Paperwork, there's hearings, yeah. there's meetings. There. There's bribes right. to well, accept from Lucius Malfoy. And, and, there, and think, of, yeah, and think about all the... Think about all the magical departments. He has to oversee all Does he, though? Does he? I mean, I think in the case of Fudge, he's very incompetent, and I don't even know if he would. Like, it's really interesting. Like, he has to attend so many meetings. I think think people overplay the Fudge incompetency thing. I would agree with that, only because if he was too incompetent, they would have kicked him out. Yeah, he would have been the equivalent of a U.S. president being impeached. But the point I'm trying to – the point that I think we're all trying to make here is that – well, what I was trying to say basically was that Cornelius Fudge, even though it sometimes appears, for example, that the only reason people say he's incompetent, I've kind of gotten out of, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. but because <laughs> he was compared to Dumbledore a well, lot? Th- that and he just denied that Voldemort was back. And that's what people say made him incompetent. And I think the reason that he may have denied it to begin with is because he knew he wasn't capable of coping with that and he didn't want to basically be the have it be his administration that has to deal with Voldemort coming back and get blamed for everyone being killed and stuff I like that. I can really see that from a political standpoint. Thank you. Um, yeah. yeah, Ben. Woohoo. Yeah. Right. Um, do you think, on a side note, relating back to the impeachment thing, do you think that uh, Cornelius would have a relationship with the woman who was uh, the voice on the phone from the telephone booth? <laughs> Aren't you funny? I would not be surprised. Take this one on, on for size. This note kicks butt. I might say, not a single witch or wizard who went bad who wasn't in Slytherin. Now, you can twist. That's a lot of double negatives there. But when Hagrid tells this to Harry, it is Hagrid, not Ron, as in the movie. Um, Hagrid says that there's, listen to this, there's not a single witch or wizard who went bad who wasn't in Slytherin. Now, you could take this to mean that there's no witches or wizards who weren't in Slytherin that didn't go bad. Right. Can you mean that? But but pedigree. So all Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, and Ravenclaws are if, good. If if you can read this like this, like not a single witch or wizard who went bad, like there was not a single witch or wizard who went bad who wasn't in Slytherin. So does that mean we we do know Pettigrew was in Gryffindor, right? Yeah. So does that mean that Pettigrew didn't go bad? Does that mean that all these other characters who are 
you know, other houses than Slytherin didn't go bad. I mean, if this holds true, if Hagrid isn't just... Well, it all depends on what your temper- your interpretation of going bad is, because... Well, Pettigrew killed the Potters. I, I think, mean... think Pettigrew... Well, Pettigrew's misunderstood. He's after power. He goes after the person. He's not actually... He doesn't want to be in a position of power himself. He wants to be where he's able to, you know, follow somebody who has power, because he's not... He's not charismatic. He's not good enough to be able to build it up himself. But if he finds somebody who he can suck up to, like Andrew does to me, then, <laughs> you know, he just has that situation. Okay, so he wants power, so does going to Voldemort consider himself going bad? I mean, I think so. He's hel- he's assisting the most deadly. Right, so then what Hagrid said is wrong. Mostest deadliest. So what Hagrid said is just a gross generalization, and it really doesn't apply to anything. Yeah. But, you know, you have to keep in mind that Hagrid's not the brightest bulb in the box. And... He's not the brightest uh, giant on the grass. And so, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, he is. Yeah, he and is. And also the uh, stupidest. Well, he's, he's a half-giant. Um, not when Grop's there. Harry goes into Ollivander's. This is just real quick. He goes into Ollivander's, and the back of his neck prickled. And he says, as if there were... J.K.R. writes, uh, Harry sensed that there was... Well, it's just a spooky place, well, it man. Is, but Harry sensed... This is this is like the quote almost. Um, Harry sensed that there was some sort of secret magic. Now, my question is, who is Harry to judge magic? Harry hasn't even experienced any kind of direct magic, so why would he even be equipped to feel like there's some kind of secret magic within this place? I think it's J.K.R. telling us that there's a secret magic in Ollivander's shop, something we don't know about, which could have further implications regarding the whereabouts of Of course there is. You're you're surrounded by these wands that can do thousands, millions of different things. But that's magic. That's not secret magic. It might be secret magic because Harry doesn't know about it, but the way it's written seems like it's like ancient beyond – when I when I think of the term secret magic used in this context, I think of Dumbledore's muttering that weird language in the at the end of book six when he's like finds out that he has to cut his wrists to like spray blood to get the Horcrux. I mean, that's what I think of when I think of secret magic. And and like the door in the middle of nowhere, the invisible stuff. I think it's called secret because Harry is not aware of what any of these hold. So it's it, yeah. it is a secret to him. Well, well, so not any, any, that, magic, any magic is secret magic? Well, because Ollivander's... No, Ollivander's has been within... It's sort of a, it's a family business, and it's been there for centuries. Well, is it a family it? business, or is it just Mr. Ollivander? Could he have been the one who has been around since 382 BC? He's a pretty old guy. Well, not for well, that, too. That well, he disappeared in 666 six, but, yeah. in, in Sorcerer's Stone, so... Right, but, but he had the... Well, yeah. He, he had, had the Sorcerer's life, Stone, right. <laughs> the... Right, but the point is, um, about Ollivander, I don't know, I think the secret magic may have something to do with, you know, just the aura you get when you walk in. You know what I mean? Have you guys ever been someplace where it feels like, oh, there's something? You know, like, when you go to New York City, for example, Andrew and I talk about this all the time, you know, you, you just get this energy it off the city. There. And it's a it's a, yeah, it's a it positive energy, you know. But, but in terms of, uh... You know, there may be some places, too, where people, you know, you go there, it just makes you depressed just because of 
Well, the way yeah, it is. I, like a funeral parlor, you wouldn't find yourself being immensely, you know, joyous in, 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 in a funeral there. parlor unless it's somebody you really hate. That's mean, yeah. <laughs> it's no, a horrible I, thing to say. <laughs> but anyway, no, no, I think JKR classifies a lot of rooms, based, you know, based on what Ben said. I think she does classify a lot of rooms as having like a somber library sort of, you know, you can't talk in this kind of thing. Like that's how she, I guess, says Trelawney's room is. You know, and and like you're it. unsure of it, so – that's yeah. sort of a way to call it a secret. But my my guess was that since she mentioned secret magic and Harry, Harry was rather ill-equipped to, to disguise like any kind of magic at all, let alone secret magic, I think she was trying to tell us that it's possible that she was trying to tell us that there's some kind of ancient stuff. on all. But I don't know how that would come into play considering Ollivander went missing. Like, I don't know, like, as soon as Voldemort enters Ollivander's shop to buy another wand, Ollivander just disappears, like, he folds up, or it's like a Fidelius charm, you know, what's the deal? Secret magic can Im- imply a lot of things, I just wanted your thoughts. Well, the building the building could be enchanted for certain things, and that may be the secret magic that he's thinking of. And it's Harry, at this point, Harry well, like has no said, clue like, what any of this is, so... Right, right, and, and like you said, and like you guys were talking about how she has a lot more narrating in the book at the beginning because we have to learn everything first and we grow we grow as harry does and so it could be it could go back to that where she still hasn't really explained yeah. it much okay. yet and you know secret magic is just really the magic of the so you're saying that was like an initial that was like an initial spell. introduction to the kind of environments we'd be seeing in the future right it could be that or it could be something okay. deeper um same page as the Secret Magic reference, which is 63 in the UK edition, UK paperback. Woo! I was hoping to have Jamie on this week so he could read the UK with me and we'd be, both be on the same page for once. But um, anyway, another mention to, to Harry's mother's eyes. He's, it's just another mention on page six. Hey, I, Ollivander says you look like your father, but you have your mother's eyes or whatever. Um, but, guys, this is possibly the biggest theory. This is the shant slash won't, only it's more significant. This is another tie-in to last week's show, Chapters 1 and 2, and it has something from Chapter 5. <sighs> Ollivander greets Harry. He recognizes him right away, of course, and he says, you know, Harry Potter... Actually, I can read the direct quote because I wrote down the page number. Yay for me! 64 in the UK edition as I turn to it right now. Okay. Um, he says... Mr. Ollivander had come so close that he and Harry were almost nose-to-nose. Harry could see himself reflected in those misty eyes. And that's where... Mr. Ollivander touched the lightning scar on Harry's forehead with a long white finger. I'm sorry to say I sold the one that did it. He says, and that's where... And he points to his scar. That's awkward. And you know why that's awkward is because in Chapter 1, uh, McGonagall – it's right before Dumbledore says oh, that he'll have that hold scar. <laughs> before you go right. into going crazy here. And that's where – that's where the scar is. No, That's no, where Voldemort that, casts a spell from the wand that Mr. Oliver Exactly, exactly. That's what I'm going to – no, and that's where – I'm thinking it means and that's where – but is that where the death curse hit him? Is that is that what he's saying? He's saying is – and that's where the death curse hit you creating that scar. Or is he saying – and that's where Voldemort made his Horcrux, or, or you know. And that's where you know what the because a death curse, first of all, shouldn't leave any mark, and especially not a mark in a specific place. You know, 
what is what is that trying to say? And that's where his his wand was aimed when he fired the death curse at you. What does Ollivander know about Harry that Harry doesn't? You know about this whole. It's probably, and that's where that's the spell I said, hit you. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, but it seems yeah, like such a specific place. And look at this. I'm tying up loose ends. In in chapter one, uh, in chapter one, he has, after Harry arrives, listen to this. Dumbledore and Professor McGonagall bent forward over a bundle of blankets. Inside, just visible, was a baby boy fast asleep. Under a tuft of jet black hair over his forehead, they could see a curiously shaped cut like a bolt of lightning. Is that where... Whispered Professor McGonagall. Is that where what? This McGonagall says, is that where? And Dumbledore replies immediately, yes. He'll have that scar for a... Is that yeah, where the spell yeah, is? That where, the spell doesn't... No. Is that where the spell him? Nobody's seen... <laughs> shh, shh, shh. Nobody's seen it before. So your first reaction... Nobody's seen it yeah, for so 11 years. For 11 and years. I don't think that's it at all. Because they don't know... Do. The death curse isn't supposed to leave a mark. First of all, so is that where the spell hit him? Is that what they're asking? Is that what she's asking and Ollivander's asking? Because Ollivander proclaims it. He's like, and that's where something did this to you. And, and McGonagall is, asks, is that where? And, and Dumbledore says, yeah, it's the exact same words. It's like bringing attention to the scar. But I really don't feel that it's just simple like, oh, and that's where... Uh, the death curse hit you because it's not supposed to leave a mark. Is that where Lily's love set in? Is that where Voldemort imprinted himself into you? You know, they're asking all these questions, but Dumbledore replied yes. It makes me think that Dumbledore and Ollivander know a lot more about Harry's scar than they're ever letting on. Well, that could very well be, but if they both know it, if they both know it, then wouldn't a lot of other people know? And in that case... Wouldn't someone have told Harry by now? You know, it's open for a lot I'm of not debate. Think, okay, but is that where? That's like the whole chapter of this whole – it's the epiphany of everything because they always reference Harry's scar and then it cuts off. Yeah, that's true. Good point. Hopefully in book seven we'll find They're out. like, and that's where yeah. – dot, dot, dot. Do you guys know what – you know what really excites me though? As after, as after we do this and after we're done doing all of our speculating and we come back and we look back to all all that we've said – I'm, I'm anxious to see how right we were about things. I really am. And you know, <laughs> after, after we have all these episodes out, we can easily – well, they won't all be on the feed, which sucks. But there, you know, on MuggleCast.com, you'll be able to go back and any time in the future, 10 years from now, you'll be able to go back and and actually pick a chapter. Like if you wanted to just read one chapter in the middle of the series, you could hear our discussion on it. It'd be like a companion. So that wraps up the chapter-by-chapter discussion for episode 32 of MuggleCast. Hope you guys enjoy reading along with us because we're having a good time discussing this. It may get a little bit heated from time to time, but we enjoy it. Next thing we need to move on to is the Create Your Own MuggleCast segment entry. Honorable mention goes to Several Minutes with Snape. This This was a really... Once again, Laura, Mike, and I judge these, and this one... Was another pretty, pretty humorous one. Uh, it's it's very clever. So um, this is this is also yeah this is also the last of the MuggleCast segments that we're gonna air actually on the MuggleCast show, and then the rest that were submitted will go into the feed. So here it is now. Several minutes with Snape by Luke from Melbourne, Australia. Hello and welcome to yet another exhilarating episode of Several Minutes with Severus here on the Wizarding Wireless Network, where I teach you how to bewitch the mind and ensnare the senses, 
etc., etc. This show, as always, is brought to you by our sponsors, Total Wasp Daddy, and their new Diagonale store, where the latest in filth bling is at fully sick prices. I'm your host, Severus Snape. First up, the news. Ministry of Magic officials are still searching for the murderer of Albus Dumbledore. Any listeners who might know anything about the whereabouts of the man with greasy black hair, a hooked nose, a tendency to speak in a soft, slow, depressing voice and say nasty things, should give him a few galleons and maybe some new boots, as mine are worn out at the heel. Those using the flu powder network to go to work today should take care around the ministry. An unfortunate collision between an unspeakable and a chimney sweep has caused severe fireplace jams all the way back to Diagon Alley. Residents of the house at Iwasum Alley, who crossbred a bulldog with a shih tzu, are advised that's not funny. And finally, a foolish wizard who ended up the victim of a series of joke items purchased from Weasley's Wizard Weasels, would like his legs back. Well, every week here on the show, we allow you to send in your wacky jokes on this Snape's sniggering section. Today's joke comes from the Ministry of Magic and has been officially passed by a panel of experts. Knock, knock. May I inquire who is there? Your husband? Well, I'm afraid I can't let you in without a code word, because there are dark wizards about. Hilarious, is it not? Here's the part of the show where you can ring up and pester me with your woefully superficial problems, and I pretend to care and offer advice not endorsed by any professionals whatsoever. Go ahead, caller one. I believe you are Harry of Suddy. Uh, hello there. Hello to you, Harry. I have this problem, you see. That does not surprise me in the slightest. Well, you see, I'm actually looking for someone. And who is that? Well, I was just wondering, can I just pop round to the station and show you a picture? And why is it necessary to come to the station? Well, so I can kill you. I mean, kill, kill, kill some time. Thank you, caller one. Now that idiot has ceased wasting valuable time here on the show, it's time to move on to our voicemails. This one comes from Ronald. Well, Severus, I was just wondering, how can I stop my best friend from taking my sister? Thank you very much. Love your show. Listen to it every week. Well, Ronald, I suggest poison. As it happens to me in my youth, I was tormented by a pig-headed and arrogant bully at school. However, my motto has always been forgive and forget, so later in life I naturally got him murdered, forgave myself, and forgot all about it. Now we've come to everyone's favourite section, Spy on Severus. I'm right here. And now to the forecast. Up in the areas of Manchester, it will be freezing cold as low as negative 12 degrees Celsius. 
Things will get very hot in here, though, when I find the little pixie who stole the rest of my weather report. Today's book review is on the A to K section of the Yellow Pages by Anonymous. I found the start thrilling, but the plot became repetitious, and the sequel, L to Z, was much of the same thing. We now come to our final section of the show, where I tell you what will happen in the next show. I will, however, maintain suspense and keep a tight lip on this matter. Well, thank you for joining us here at Several Minutes with Severus, brought to you by the Death Eaters, where they guarantee dismal service or your children back. Stay tuned for our next show here on the Wizarding Wireless Network, Five frightfully fur-flopping, fun-filled factions from Gregory Goyle, who would like to thank our alliteration expert for coming in one letter of the alphabet too early. Until next week, I'm Severus Snape. But after that, I'm changing my name to Elvis. Okay, so once again, that was Several Minutes with State by Luke from Melbourne, Australia. Congrats to him. And don't forget, we will be running everyone else's segments uh, that were entered into the comments, or into the contest, what, like, two months ago? <laughs> they will be they will be yeah. airing in their own show, <laughs> probably like two shows, uh, coming up in the next few weeks. Cool. Once I'm not lazy. Okay, everyone, we're going to cut the show a little short this week because we want to have more people on for the voicemails as well as everything else. Next week, a full crew will be back with the regular content and everything else you have come to love right here on MuggleCast. Okay, well, everybody, that wraps up episode 32 of MuggleCast. Next week on the show, we have many things coming back to you. And Such as an editorial, the editorial discussion. Hopefully, we're not. We're having Hopefully. a hard time getting editorialists um, to come on and talk with us. So, if you have a favorite one in mind, make sure to email them and say, "Hey, you should call MuggleCast. Email Micah. I, I I really want to get Maylene on. Email her. The North Tower. That'd be good. I, that'd be good. And also, we have our What If segment, which we skipped over this week, also because of the lack of numbers. We can also do the listener rebuttals, the voicemails, and everything. Kevin Stack will be back next week with more voicemails than you can imagine. Oh, jeez, it's going to be incredible. And also, chapter by chapter, we're thinking of doing chapters 6 and 7 to let you know. If chapter we're, Once we get into the future books, we'll be able to jump ahead a little bit more. But right now, the whole thing, the whole introduction to Harry's world, it's taking it a little bit slow, so we're still doing two chapters at a time. Uh we hope it'll go faster, but six and seven for next week. Yeah, which is another thing. We got we we seriously got a record number of emails this this over past week. We got like four hundred, and that's because last week last week I was like, send this to MongoCast and staff, send that to MongoCast and staff, send that to MongoCast. And staff. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> what? Wait, answer the most important rebuttal. Uh, Tootsie Rolls. They're invented or they're they're made by the Tootsie Roll company. Tootsie, Tootsie, yes. I think it's it's literally called God Tootsie Roll Industries <laughs> Incorporated, Chicago, Illinois. And I've been to Chicago, so next time yeah. I'm in, in Chicago, I'll yeah. have to go to. There, there's a street. Take address, a picture, but yeah. Yeah. So thanks, so okay. thanks everyone for your emails I and you thanks for fun. all your support. You know, I I love like going on like MySpace and um, um, just like the the fan forums and the chat room and just seeing everyone and how appreciative they are of the show and. 
you know, we've said it before, we just love the we just love the the reactions. Yeah, we we love you guys. Okay, everybody. I hope you all enjoyed the show. Remember, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please send them to MuggleCast at staff.mugglenet.com. Continue to visit MuggleNet. Continue to visit the site. Hope you guys had fun. I'm Ben Shane. Uh, I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Jamie Lawrence. I'm Kevin Stuck. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Laura Thompson. And I'm Michael Good night. Good night. Good night, everybody. Um, just like the the fan forums and the chat room, and just seeing everyone and how appreciative they are of the show, and you know we've I said it before, so we, just love, like 10, the, we just love the the reactions. It's funny because I have ten. Okay, don't I, show no, I have I have ten thousand friends. I better no. have more friends than you. I, on I have ten thousand friend requests, but I have no posts. You're such yeah. a liar. No, Shut no, no, up. but I have no posts. <laughs> not, not one single. So, like, I I have an update. I created the account. In fact, uh, I think it's dead now. I think they actually disactiv- deactivated it, disconnected the MySpace account because I didn't use it. But I had so many friend requests. It was so funny because I didn't have time to update. No, I'm not a show off. I'm saying that it's so sad. <laughs> I my, had my, I had thousands yeah. of friend requests, but they deactivated. Right, Andrew, it, Andrew, so they all I'm work. saying is no. what, dude, Andrew, 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 Andrew. I can barely f- Andrew. <laughs> Andrew, I can barely think no, this guys. chat. His ego is so big. All Ugh. I'm saying is my reputation I, I think, I think it's time. I think it's time to say goodnight.